0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. What will it take to create communities that are truly safe from gun violence and mass shootings? It's something we've all been thinking about, especially in recent weeks. And when it comes to our children, they are also paying attention, learning to advocate for themselves and their right to safety. Joining us to discuss is Dion McGill. He's the Community Outreach Manager for Strengthening Chicago's Youth, a mentorship program from Lurie Children's Hospital. Also with us is Sarah Knieznik. She's a member of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. And she's also running a new gun violence prevention initiative with the Lake County Prosecutor. Dion, what have you been hearing lately from the teens that you work with? Like, How are they feeling about all the violence in the news?
2: You know, it's interesting. Recently, we did a participatory action research project with a group of youth and a youth-led organization called Community United. And that research was specifically focused on mental health and trauma and boys and young men of color. And we did a full research project, and it came down to recommendations, right, and some of the findings that were found. And, I mean, there's so much we can say, right, but we— need to take better care of ourselves, of our youth, of our adolescents, you know, of our city and communities that have been neglected for a long, long time. And that all came through, you know, in the words and the thoughts and the conversations with those youth. Wow. Um many of which who live on the west side of the city. You know, and, and it's one of those things, just hearing your, your head nod, right? Yeah. We say west side, immediate things come to mind and that's not good. And so that's something we need to discuss more.
1: Yeah, we need to address
2: and address. Yes.
1: Sarah, Moms Demand Action, that's a, an advocacy organization, but it's also a network of mothers. So what have you been hearing from parents about how they're talking about this with their kids?
0: I've been involved with the gun violence prevention movement in many different capacities for five years. And what I'm struck by is there is a change since I started with Moms Demand Action seven years ago. What I'm hearing reaction to Evaldi and the shootings in Irvine and Buffalo is a real understanding of how... Gun violence in communities uh, you know, that are fully served or communities of privilege, uh, the kind of gun violence that happens in communities like Sandy Hook, that is intimately connected with the gun violence that's happening in communities that are underserved. And there's a, a much greater understanding of that among the grassroots gun violence prevention movement than there was a few years ago. And I see that as great progress. And just, just in case there's anybody listening who's sort of puzzled by what I just said, a very key thing to understand about the gun violence crisis in our country is that we have to worry about firearms everywhere, no matter where we live, in our schools, in our shopping centers, in our churches, and our places of worship – specifically because we have ignored the gun violence that's happening every day in communities like the ones on the south and west side of Chicago. When gun violence is high in those communities, the gun lobby is able to sell more firearms in communities of privilege because they base their marketing practices on fear and racism. And that is why moms in suburban downstates areas, no matter, no matter where they live. That is why moms and dads and grandparents have to worry when their children you know, visit a neighbor's house whether or not that child is going to encounter um, an unsecured firearm. Right. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the most obvious connection, but the connections go deep, and we all have to understand that gun violence is everyone's problem, and if you live in a community of privilege, you are dealing with this problem specifically yeah. because we have failed to address the root causes that Dion just
1: described. That's the key there. It's everyone's problem. Dion, put your former teacher hat on. <laughs> what do you think they're feeling right now? Teachers everywhere.
2: Oh, I have tons of friends with Um A friend posted something that I, I thought I've been thinking about all day. She said, I sit and think, do I risk my life to save my room full of adopted children? Or do I do everything I can to save my own life so I can go back home to the child I actually birthed. And no teacher should have to come to that. What a decision. To that decision. Yeah. That's unacceptable. And let's be crystal clear, okay? Can we, like, just be honest. Please. Right? Just, you know, my heart breaks when this happens, right? I, I've i done the, the drills that teachers do and had the discussion with the students. Mr. McGill, would you really give your life for me? You know, and I'm a veteran. You know, I've, I've done that in, in different capacities through my life. Mm-hmm. However... Right. I want to sit here and say, yes, my heart goes out to all the families, and everyone impacted by this. Right. But that sounds too close to saying thoughts and prayers. And if there's any certainty that goes beyond this moment. Right. I am certain that thoughts and prayers do not prevent these events from happening. Right. Policy and change does. And those are the words that need to be on the tip of everyone's tongue when they're talking about Texas.
1: As you bring up those those drills that they do at schools, Absolutely. I my heart broke again this morning mm-hmm. seeing, I think it was a tweet from uh, a teacher or a former teacher talking about what we don't hear with those drills. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the fact that when the student leaves the classroom to go, say, use the restroom, yep. if there is an active shooter in the building, right, e- even as they practice during the drills, the teacher cannot open the door for that student. They can bang. They can scream. Mm -hmm. They've got to stay out there. And that's a decision that the teacher has
2: to make. I mean, just, just sitting and thinking with that, right? Like, just the drills themselves, the emotional impact of that on children. You know, we hear that often from kids. They're scared. Children are scared to go to school and parents are scared to send their children, right? Yeah. And then you're put in a situation where you have to make a decision that like that the discussion in and of itself is a band-aid to me right cuz we're we're five steps deep in a problem that shouldn't exist this is not happening in a majority of countries that look like America right this is a you hear you've heard it a lot this week this is a uniquely american problem so if Very we're talking absolutely. about how we're keeping kids safe in the classroom by locking doors and having buzzers and all this we're five steps deep past where we should be in the problem right that's how i think about it and so we need to take steps back.
1: As a veteran, though, you, I imagined, you've come across the weapons that are being used for these mass shootings, right? Typically the, that AR-15 style rifle. Should it be more difficult than it is for, for the average person to get their hands on that?
2: Absolutely. I spent nine months in Afghanistan, You know, very comfortable and very used to using a variety of weapons. The military equivalent of that M4, right, It's that weapon exists and is used for a very particular reason. It's very effective at what it does. And so having that weapon in a city, urban setting, yeah. you know, to me it just doesn't make tons of sense. And there are people way more intelligent than me, way more informed and way more educated who have had discussions about this. And um, we need to look at what the statistics and the data can tell us and go from there.
1: Sarah, after uh, every mass shooting in this country, we tend to hear sort of the same opposing arguments for, for the things that need to change, right? What is it that you make of, of the opinion from pro-gun advocates that we should just arm the teachers or we, all we need to do is install metal detectors? Someone said in Uvalde there should have been a fence. What do you think of that, Sarah?
0: I, I couldn't disagree more. And the gun violence prevention movement in Illinois has repeatedly stood up to efforts to pass a resolution uh, among the members of the Illinois State Board of Education. Um, every fall, the resolution comes before the board that would allow the ISBE to support a legislation in Springfield that would allow school districts to arm their teachers. We have defeated it year after year after year, and we will keep coming back until for as long as we need to. Teachers, the vast majority of them, don't want this. I think it's ridiculous. We already are basically putting in our teachers in situations where they have to experience PTSD because they have to make the kinds of decisions that Dion just agonizingly described a couple of moments ago about keeping a kid out of the room, right? We are asking so much of our teachers, and and to ask them to carry firearms is is the most outrageous ridiculous excuse i have heard people from communities downstate say that well there are rural areas where law enforcement can't get to a school you know quick enough the way they can in more densely populated urban areas therefore we need to arm teachers we absolutely do not we already have a solution for that we have school resource officers who should be and and i hope in in most cases if not i hope in all cases are properly trained in how to use those firearms when I hear that argument that we should arm teachers, for example from Texas Governor Abbott, which I think that was his, included in his very first statement after the massacre in Ubaldi mm-hmm. what that what I hear when I hear a statement like that is we must create an opportunity for the gun lobby to sell even more guns because they see dollar signs when they when they hear an initiative like that, If we armed every teacher in America or even every teacher in Illinois, think of the the way the profits would go up for those gun manufacturers and the people that enable them.
1: As a former teacher, Dion, I'm wondering your thoughts here. Would that have made you feel safe if you had a gun in the classroom? Do you think kids and and parents would feel safe if you were an armed teacher back then?
2: No, 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 no. I wish we had the time to really discuss this. This is one of those things I, I walk my friends through as a thought experiment. I'm
1: thinking of my kids' teachers and how many things they've had to ask me for to provide, to supply the classroom with art supplies, books, pencils. We, we can't give them that, but we can give them guns. We can,
2: and training, right? <laughs> and I always think just what happens if, let's say in this best case scenario, something goes wrong and a teacher shoots one of their students. We, we want to talk about mental health. Let's talk about that. You know yeah, let's talk about that it 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 makes no to me it makes no sense. It's an argument that I just go, what? even as a veteran, someone who's used weapons, it just makes no sense to me as a teacher who was in middle school classrooms and high school classrooms, I would never want that. I would be offended if my employer asked that of me um, and i I couldn't do it.
1: Sarah, weigh in on this mental health. Discussion because we hear that argument over this over a focus on regulating guns, right? This idea that we just we just need to get help for people struggling with mental health issues.
0: Yeah, I would be happy to weigh in on that. Um, It it cannot be said often enough that the overwhelming majority of people who suffer from mental illness are victims of violent crime, not perpetrators. Now that does not mean that we should not have regulations and cultural norms in place that lead to limitations on the people who are dealing with mental illness's ability to access firearms. That is is certainly one of the, the key things that, that we can do, and we have done something very profound and effective for that in Illinois. Uh, in 2019, we passed the Firearm Restraining Order, and it's the type of law that's sometimes referred to as an extreme risk protection order. And what it does is it allows a family or household member or law enforcement To petition the court to temporarily remove a person's firearms if they are experiencing mental illness or there's some other clear reason why they should not have access to that firearm again it's just temporary and I couldn't be prouder that Mm -hmm. legislators in Illinois and the activists at the grassroots level work together to get this bill passed in fact, in the most recent session, money was appropriated by the Illinois General Assembly and the law that included that funding was signed by Governor Pritzker, giving support to a statewide educational awareness program about the firearm restraining order. Yeah. So we do have the tools that can keep us safe, but they don't really do any good unless people know that they're there.
1: So, yeah, De- Dionne, I
0: could go on. Yeah, but- well, <laughs> well
1: Dion, Sarah brings up a good point. Talk more about the role that community level... Um- violence prevention programs play here?
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, they play a huge part, right? Bringing community together, uh, helping to bring resources to community. At Sky, what we do is we try to bring just all stakeholders around violence prevention to the table to collaborate, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, to come up with better ideas and then to push, right, those in power and those who make those decisions to implement those good ideas, which I feel you know, I feel like I would be remiss if I said that's a huge problem yeah. right now, right? We're, we're, we know, and I, Sarah, would I'm sure, would agree with this. This is not a problem where we don't have solutions to solve. Whether we're talking urban violence or violence in the mass shooting setting, what we have is a failure to implement, effectively implement or implement at all the solutions that we know are effective.
1: So what do you have to say, Dion, to Republican lawmakers who resist making change and, and take money from the NRA?
2: Um, You know, it's one of those things – I'm not even a basketball fan, right? But Steve Kerr kind of laid this out very effectively. That was
1: very passionate. Yes, but
2: he said 90 percent – and this is generally has been consistent for a number of years. 90 percent of Americans agree that we should have universal background checks, right? When I worked at the Illinois Council Against Handgun Violence, my boss used to say that all the time. And she'd also say, you can't get 90 percent of Americans to agree which is better, apple or cherry pie, but if we can agree on that why has it not happened? Mm-hmm. And I would ask any any lawmaker right regardless of partisanship why has this not happened right the will of the people is being ignored so why? And when you ask those questions that's when you know we yes. have to acknowledge the influence of the corporate gun lobby and all those things but we just we have solutions we just need to make them happen.
0: I I have personal experience very recently with with that very issue. Uh, until just a couple of weeks ago when I took on the role as chair of the Lake County State's Attorney's Office Gun Violence Prevention Initiative. Immediately before that, I held the role as director of community engagement for Newtown Action Alliance. And I and, I and a nationwide um, network uh, sponsored by Newtown Action Alliance of activists uh, spent six months gathering all of the votes needed for a federal safe storage bill, HR 748, Ethan's Law. All of the votes in the U.S. House of Representatives, we have 215 votes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Normally, you would need 218 to pass a bill out of the U.S. House, but there have been a couple of deaths. So we have all of the votes needed, including a promise to vote yes on this safe storage bill by a Republican representative from New Jersey, Chris Smith. All of the votes are there, and we spent the last several weeks trying to convince House leadership to call this bill for a vote. They are hesitant to do that because in an election year, they don't want Democrats who are facing uh, stiff uh, re-election campaigns to have to vote on a gun bill. Now, that was the case up until Buffalo, Irvine, and Uvalde. It is my great hope that this will uh, give House leadership, U.S. House leadership, the courage to finally vote on that bill. It will pass the U.S. House of Representatives and with the right level of urgency, uh, it can also pass the Senate. In answer to your question, the reason so often policy change like this doesn't happen is because people in Congress and at all other levels of government are, are afraid of losing their power. That is the long and the short of it. They don't want to give up their power to save kids.
1: We'll have to leave it there for now. Sarah Knesnick is uh, leading the new gun violence prevention initiative for the Lake County Prosecutor's Office. And Dion McGill is the Community Outreach Manager for Strengthening Chicago's Youth. That's a mentorship program from Lurie Children's Hospital. Thank you both. That's all for today's Reset. We will continue to follow this story and bring you the latest, which you can find right here on the Reset podcast. Now, in light of the series of mass shootings we've seen in Buffalo, Chicago, and Texas, we've been reflecting on safety. Everyone in this country should have a right to feel safe where they live, where they work, shop, and go to school. But that feeling is harder and harder to come by. So we'd like to know, where do you feel most safe? Where don't you? And how do you think we can create a society that prioritizes the safety and well-being of its citizens. We'd love to hear what's on your mind, so leave us a message at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Take care, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.
0: Thanks for listening
2: to the news live on WBEZ and NPR.